0: Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. We are so excited to be here with you guys this week. Um, We are super thrilled. Uh, It's a little bit of a special episode um, because we are going to be talking about some crazy things. But also, the uh, most exciting thing is that I get to introduce the newest member of the Dog Speak team, and it is Alicia. Alicia, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Yay. Uh, I tell you, it's uh, (laughs) Leach has been with us. She's been interning with us for about a year and um, she's going to start uh, venturing out and doing some things with us more. Uh, But it's really exciting because I want you to tell everybody what your background is.
1: Well, I have a background as a zookeeper. Um, I worked with birds for about two years and then I stepped in with marine mammals and did that for the next um, 11 years. So I worked with a variety of species, um, a lot of species of birds, and then dolphins, seals, sea lions, walrus. Um, yeah, so just you had a lot of great experiences. <laughs> I, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> so you know, it's funny because
0: now... You have been working as a dental hygienist,
1: and yes, and so a different kind of animal,
0: yeah, different definitely different kind of animal. Uh, what made right. you decide to get back into animal training?
1: Well, you know, it's something I always loved, and the reason I started with dental hygiene is I lived out of state; most of my family was here. And, as time went by, I had a lot of nieces and nephews being born, and I wanted to get closer to home. Um, and so I started I just went back to school as a dental hygienist, but I always missed the animal training aspects of it. And then I, of course, I met you through helping me with a foster dog that I had. And about a year, I think after I had you come over, I thought, you know, I wonder if Nikki would let me shadow. Maybe I want to get into some dog training. And literally two days later, I saw that you guys were looking for a part-time trainer. So I was excited for the opportunity to just to work with positive reinforcement training again and helping people learn. And so here we are.
0: Well, we are like super excited to have you. Um, love the fact that you have the background that you have because uh, it's, it's really mm-hmm. hard for us to train someone brand new. And, and so we were really wanting to find somebody that already had some, some background. Um, and, and I'm real, I'm excited today because when I kind of started into the positive reinforcement world, um, the biggest book out was um, Karen Pryor and clicker training um, because she had worked with dolphins. And so that was kind mm-hmm. of the, the big thing that had kind of started. And, uh, and so Having kind of gone through that and seen how positive reinforcement worked with dolphins and going, "God, if we can do this with animals that you know are not really meant <laughs> to be with us, then then why are we still using aversives on on dogs?" And so uh, I was excited to hear that that was kind of your background with it. And so yeah. when you decided that you wanted to come in and join us, I, there was there was not even a question, not even a question. Oh, um, well, thanks! I knew what you were going to be bringing to the table was going to be pretty amazing. Um, And knowing that I was going to learn some things and, and I really want today our listeners to hear kind of what you went through with all the training and and what you guys did and kind of compare it to what we do now, because I know you've been spending the last year kind of learning the dog side of things but mm-hmm. i've i've heard you say several times that it's real similar to what you were doing um with the marine mammals and and the mammals in general so tell us a little bit more about that
1: oh absolutely yeah i mean you know we we use strictly positive reinforcement training um and coming in here i see so much of that now the difference i see is okay now we're working with animals that live with people 24 hours a day whereas at the zoo, we had very structured training sessions, and we were very, and Nikki, I'm going to say it one time, and I'm not going to say it again <laughs> methodical. <laughs> That's our word. I'm not saying it That's, again. So are we. We were very methodical. <laughs> no, I am so the farthest
0: uh, thing from methodical, as there, I, I fly by the seat uh, of exactly. my pants. I know. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. So, um, you know, there are so many similarities with the core basics of what, what we do with dog speak and what we did back with the zoo animals as well. Um, You know, we conditioned, you know, we had food as our primary reinforcer and that's what we use with dog speak. We use treats, but then we'd also use what we call secondary reinforcers, which are like Hitting a dog. Well, we would rub the dolphin down, or we would do things like ice cubes and Jello and crazy things you would never think of. I'm all safe for them to eat, obviously. (laughs) Um, So, and just the the way you reinforce the volume of food you give them, it's all important. And you know, you do you see it in both, and you see it work. You see that's the big thing is it works, Mm -hmm. and you just have to be consistent. It takes time. You know, and I hear you say that a lot, uh, which is so true is, you know, you don't want to give up on it. You got to be consistent with your animals and it doesn't happen overnight. Good training does not happen overnight. It really doesn't. You're
0: right. And and that's why I get so crazy when people are like, you know, I'm going to send my dog off for a four week board and train. They're guaranteed results and they're going to be trained for life. And I'm like, the dog's eight months old. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm 47 and I'm still not trained for life.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. I
0: mean, because if we're not able to to adjust with the changes in the environment that is just naturally going to happen over time and we're trying to just stick to what we did when we were 12 13 14 years old mm-hmm. I mean even if if I if I was doing today what I did at 25 oh my god I mean
1: I right. would not
0: survive in this world very well um, <laughs> if I was still basing my knowledge on that and I think that we have mm-hmm. to understand that that, that anything any organism is going to continue learning and if, and if we don't understand what that process looks like then we're not going to be able to help our dogs through that. Um, Because we do know more about this world and we have to continue kind of managing that and, and being their tour guide. And as we're learning new things, helping them to learn new things. Um, Exactly. You know, and and it just drives me crazy. And people are like, you know, I got this dog and I'm going to, I need to train it and I'm going to use a versus, but I'm like, I mean, these captive animals that, and I'm not saying captive in a bad way, which dogs are captive animals as well. Right. Um, Right you know, we have to make sure that that we're meeting all those needs. And, and enrichment is kind of one of the biggest things that, you know, I know in the zoo world, enrichment was a huge, huge thing. And I think it's taken forever yes. for it to really come out and be as important in the dog world. What are some of the things that you guys looked at when you were doing like enrichment for uh, your zoo animals?
1: Well, we would look at things that would try to encourage natural behavior, things that they would do out in the wild. And that's something I hear you say a lot, just satisfying those genetic needs. And that's not a phrase we used back then, but that's what we did. So, um, you know, for example, foraging, Um, you know, here, what do we do with the dogs? The uh, the Kongs, you freeze with the peanut you know, butter, because it takes some time to get through that. And they're using their sense of smell and taste. Well, with the dolphins and sea lions, we have these things called boomer balls, these really big, well, and small, thick plastic balls. And some of them had holes in them. So we would put fish in that and throw it in there. So they had to learn to push it around and fish would fall out. Um, we would freeze fish in blocks of ice. The which going back to the Kong thing I just said, <laughs> um, and so it's salt water, so right, it would melt, but it took some time to melt, and um, they would push it around, and then a little part of the fish would come out. And um, and one thing we did one time this is a little hard to watch, but I got it is we put live fish in with our polar bears, so you know, yeah. It, But it was good. It was good for the bears. It really was. It gave them an opportunity to forage and hunt, you know, and that's, that's just important. You want to stimulate their, their minds, you know? Uh, And, and again, I'm coming back to what you say. I'm learning the importance of that. Like something I've learned from you is that the stimulating their mind can be just as important, if not more important than taking them for a walk, doing a short walk that stimulates them that, you can create positive experiences and train in a positive way is better than a 30 minute walk where they're pulling you all over the place. So, you know, Amen to that. Yeah. 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 Um, I
0: mean, because if, you know, if we don't, if we don't give that enrichment to these captive animals, uh, and again, I'm including the dogs in that, then that's mm-hmm. where those behavior problems come in and and you right. see these zoo animals to where, you know they're in the environments that are closely mimicking you know i guess as close as they can to their natural environment and giving mm-hmm. them opportunities to feel like they' are, they're where their natural habitats because if you don't you're gonna get things like excessive grooming you're going to get uh behavior issues and behavior problems and and I think it's just taken us too long to realize that dogs really need that and um and I don't think that yeah. we're I still don't think in this we're not pushing it enough. I think it's starting to really come out and it's starting Mm -hmm. to really push and people are going to recognize it. But I think that people are still to this day thinking, Oh, obedience, obedience, obedience. And, you know, Gray and I were talking yesterday. We hate that word. I hate that word. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't like to use that word. We use real life manners. Um, You know, we teach real life skills. And so I I think that, that we need to really focus on meeting those needs And, and the fact that, that we do it, in our zoos, and we do it in these places, and then we forget about our dogs. Um, Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a little frustrating, but it's so fascinating to hear some of the things that you guys did, uh, like putting the fish in the ball. I had no idea that. I mean, oh yeah,
1: that, that is so cool. <laughs> and, and really, and you, you know, you got to be creative. They, I don't know if they still do this, but they would actually get you know those big car wash strips that you drive through. Oh and yeah, car wash. Mm-hmm. They'd put those in. And, and some of these, just to make sure everybody knows, there was supervision with toys. Some toys you didn't need supervision. Some you did. You might let them have it for 10, 15 minutes and then you would pull it out. Um, but the dolphins love to swim through that because they would rub their bodies on it like they would do with kelp or seaweed. Um, and somebody, I don't know who came up with that. And I thought that was brilliant. That you is know? brilliant.
0: I love yeah. that. uh. So I want to get to, so I want to go back because this is where we were talking about. We're probably going to hit some rabbit holes and I'm going to totally hit rabbit holes, but, um, because I think this is just, it's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to with you, you would have your primary kind of reward. Obviously food is so important. Um, and I I think a lot of people are, you know, they don't want to train their dogs with food. And I think that's ridiculous because it's such a life sustaining resource. And that the majority of the dogs of what, Activity they do if they're feral and in the wild is that energy is going to be spent on food. It's that important. So of course mm-hmm. we need to um, let's use that food uh, in the world to to get our dogs to do things and to get animals to do things. But what did you guys use? Because I mentioned the clicker in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Did you guys use clickers to mark the behavior? What did y'all use to mark behavior with your um, animals?
1: We use the whistle, um, whistle strictly for dolphins. Well, we would double tap their body. That was also a marker, but if you're training a dolphin and they're jumping up in the air, you have to have something that they can hear. They can use, you hear the whistle above and below the water. Um, with our seals and sea lions and walrus, we would use the whistle, but we would also use the word good. Oh, okay. Um, I'm like, we do. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know the way like if we'd have a dolphin calf you know once the dolphin calf stopped nursing and we could tell was ready for small pieces of food and it was more interested in us cuz you know how puppies when they're really young they don't care about us they just want mom yep um but when the dolphins would start showing interest in us we would and we knew we could feed them small pieces of food we would touch their nose blow the whistle give them a piece of food i mean it's similar to the way we feed a dog a treat and say, good boy, good boy, good boy. It's t- or we would, I'm sorry, let me back up. We would just feed them a fish and blow the whistle when they would get the fish. So they start associating the piece of fish with the whistle. And, um, and one thing too, and you've probably seen this with dogs once they start understanding what that means and you start doing easy behaviors and more difficult, they kind of learn the training game. Like they understand and learn faster when they're more experienced learners too. I'm guessing you probably noticed that with dogs as well.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and I will say that when I went to um, the chicken camp and spent a week training chickens, I had, we actually had two chickens. And so the first chicken would be one that had been trained the week before. And our Mm -hmm. job was to extinguish the behavior had been taught and teach. Okay. for example, right. it was taught to peg um, or peck a red square. Well, our right. job was to extinguish the pecking of the red square and get it to do the blue circle. Um, mm-hmm. And so those chickens learned very quickly because they had been doing it. And so they were right. much faster. And then the second chicken we had was a brand new chicken that literally had just been like picked up out of the out of the farm and dipped mm-hmm. from, you know, parasites And we (laughs) had to start the entire process of putting Mm -hmm. our hands on the chicken, taking our hands off, conditioning the marker, feeding food, and then teaching new behaviors. And that was a lot slower. So, yeah, I think that anytime our brain really starts to grasp that, we start making those pathways, it's like the pathways just get bigger and easier things can can flow through there. Um, Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. It's just so
0: fascinating how the brains, I've gotten this brain is just neuro is I, I think I missed my calling and maybe going to school for some of that. Cause it's so fascinating. on It really is. And I am, yeah. I, I haven't, yeah. we, we did put it out last week on the podcast. Um, I haven't told you guys yet, but I did finally get Dr. Kathy Murphy scheduled um, to record oh, with us from barking brains. And great. I am going to absolutely mm-hmm. just pick her brain as much as possible. But, it, but, you know, when we look at that and we, you know, a lot of people will look at some animals and think that they just don't have much of a brain. And, and I think of fish um, with that because, you know, we tend to think growing up when you go fishing that that the worm feels no pain and, you know, and we go and fish and we catch these fish because they're mm-hmm. not real bright and they're dumb and blah, 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 blah. But yet these these studies are coming out of these fish are literally driving these small little, uh, I want to call them cars because that's what they called them. These mm-hmm. small little cars, they're driving them by the way that they're pushing up against and swimming up against the um, the wall to it. And it's like, oh my God, the, these fish are smarter than what we're really giving credit to. Um, and it's not just kind of the big animals, um, but but anything kind of with that connection of that brainstem and that and that organization organization not organization <laughs> but um organism there right. are there's there's capacity there it may be limited but there's capacity of learning um when you when you were looking at and, and working with these dolphins and we all have seen these dolphins do things and they're and they are smart mm-hmm. did you find that they may be were not really the smartest group, or did you find that they were the smartest or the easiest to train?
1: You know, I have, that's a good question. Thanks. Um I, you know what i, mean, I to ponder that. Um yeah, I mean they're very intelligent animals. And I know it's it's hard sometimes, I think, to gauge intelligence, if that makes sense, kind of like what you were just saying. Um No, I mean, yeah, sometimes you'd see they might be a little easier to train than some of your other animals. But you also looked at the individual animal. You might have one dolphin that was, let's say, quote, easier to train than another one. Um, But like our walrus, for example, I think... Probably a lot of people think walrus they're like big sea cows. They haul up on a thing, you know, they they're 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 very intelligent animals. There's a saying once you do walrus, you don't ever want to go back. They're so smart, so much personality. And so I would say it, it depended on the animal. Um, it depended on the trainer. Your ability to communicate with the animal. I don't know if that's really answering. Maybe I'm trying to avoid saying. I think one animal's smarter than another. No, I get um, that.
0: No, I get it. Right, I respect right. it. I respect right. it. But you're right. I think that I do think that that every organism can learn. And 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 I will right. see. And I've, I think I've told a story of of seeing um, a, a a young teenager who was in a wheelchair and you could tell he was um, you know, he was disabled in a way that he had no real verbal. uh, He was not verbal. He was, he would make noises. Mm -hmm. He was not verbal. And I'm I'm trying to usually Brit's here to look at me and be like, you're not supposed to say that. I want to make sure I'm PC here. But it was fascinating to watch that he, when, when his caretaker was not giving him attention, because she was shopping, he would make noise, and she would pay attention to him. And mm-hmm. I literally followed them around the store because I was so fascinated by it. Um, But even that was limited in ability. Even though there was limited intake ability, he wasn't going to learn to use words or feed himself. Or, but he still knew how to get what he needed in that moment. And and I think right. that we don't we take that for granted that that every animal has the ability to learn, but it's also going to be who's the one doing the teaching. And so when people are like, my dog is dumb, I'm like, "Mm, no, probably not. Um, Your dog probably has, maybe has limited intake ability, but Mm -hmm. we also sometimes are not communicating clearly enough. Um, You know, so we have to look at it's It's both parties there. Um, And I think it's so it's fair for you to say that (laughs) it's not one is more brilliant than another. (laughs) Welcome.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, and I think, um, right. I think too, it, you know, just looking at the science of it, you know, of operant conditioning, I mean, a behavior happens, it gets reinforced, it's more likely to happen again. A behavior happens, it gets ignored, it's less likely to happen again and more likely to disappear and that's just breaking it down into this its simplest forms. Um, but that's why you were talking about the fish earlier. I know that they've trained a goldfish to swim through a hoop using a light as a marker and the food. And so you know, you really can train anything that anything an animal is physically able to do. You 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 can train it. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that, you know, and again, I like
0: to tell people, I'm like, no, no, your dog is smart. Your dog has learned to jump on you, bark at you, run out the door, mm-hmm. um, jump on the counters to get food. Yeah. Your dog is smart. You just taught the wrong thing, you know. So it's that's why we're so big on teaching the right, humans exactly on how to interact and, and look at that behavior. Right. Um, tell me. Right. I, it's, so I'm curious. What what was your favorite thing to teach um, behavior-wise and to what animal?
1: Oh, geez. Okay, <laughs> I, get, I get to really think back. Um, I'm going to say, you know, it, I'm, I'm just thinking of a particular behavior because when you have that breakthrough moment and they finally get it, it was a walrus um, training them to blow bubble blow bubbles under the water, right? And they, the way I did that, um, and and really walrus were some of my favorite animals to train. I loved them all, but I loved the walrus. I just thought, how am I going to do this? And I thought, you know what, they've got their natural vocalizations on cue. And so it was this like grunt behavior. So what I did is I kind of target his head close to the water. And i get him to make that grunting noise. And eventually, every time he did it, these bubbles would start coming up. And I'm like, oh, it's working. Oh, my gosh, it's working. And it took a while to do this. But finally, he learned. finally figured out I was asking to dunk his head underwater and make that grunting noise. And he blew the most beautiful bubbles. And <laughs> people might say, well, why in the world would you train <laughs> something like that? Well, you know, you got to remember we – we trained, we try to train a lot of natural behaviors, a lot of husbandry behaviors, which I know husbandry will probably be another podcast for us. Um, but you just were trying to keep them mentally stimulated, you know? And so when he first got that first big, beautiful bubbles, I was so excited about that. So I'm sure there's probably (laughs) other behaviors too, that I trained. I'm not thinking of right now, but, um, But that, that was one of them. And another one, and these are very simple. It was a natural behavior when dolphins take their tail and they kind of slap it down in the water. Uh, We called it a kerplunk (laughs) because that's the sound that the tail made. And um, I got started with it and I was making really good progress. And that's when I left the zoo and another coworker finished it off. So when I went back to visit, he goes, Alicia, watch this. And she had this most beautiful kerplunk. (laughs) But it's just so satisfying to see when the animal gets it. Yeah. When they finally understand what you're looking for and you you can see the animals get excited too, you know, when they finally have that breakthrough and you blow that whistle and they pop up and they're just all excited. And, you know, um, when we were talking about reinforcement earlier, um, one of the things that was really important is how you reinforced, um, With us, we mostly did primary, especially when the, uh, sorry, food, mostly when the animal was learning, Um, but the amount of food too, like, okay, we're learning this behavior. We're breaking it down into very small steps and they get that first step. They break through. You might give them a big handful of fish because you're communicating to them. That's what I was looking for. And you want them to remember that and you want them to remember it because they just got a big handful of fish for that one little step. And then you progress to the next step and you might back off on your heavier reinforcement for those first step they already know and move forward. Um, If it was a really important behavior, for example, uh, the blood draw from a dolphin, you know, you can train that for them to participate that voluntarily, which is very important, right? I mean... Nobody loves getting their blood drawn, and so if we can get them to do it voluntarily and make it as positive as possible, it's less stressful for them, it's less stressful for the trainer, and so you do that in very small steps. And, you know, that first time they they lay their tail in your lap, they they kind of glide upside down, and they offer you their tail, so you're kneeling on the deck, right, and their tail's laying in your lap, uh, the ventral side or the underside, and they've got two veins, one in each one that you would look for. So that after many, many, many approximations, that first time you might touch their tail with the needle, you're not going to go in. You may just touch it. And if they sit for it, you're yelling to all the other trainers, feed your dolphins out. I'm giving them this entire bucket. I'm giving yeah. them this entire bucket of food and we are done.
0: Here's the jackpot. Um, and I hope that all makes
1: sense. Yeah. yeah it's, that it's that jackpot.
0: Pot. And it's a yes. We just made that. And, and it's we hit like that first criteria there.
1: Right. And it's almost like you're saying a big thank you to that animal. Thank you for trusting me for sitting there and allowing me to do that. Um, And again, we would just small steps. And the thing is, is that's a four or 500 pound animal. They don't have to lay there. If they want to kick out of that, they're going to kick out of it or they're going to break. And you know what, if they did, that was okay. You know, we, we didn't punish. We didn't get mad. We understood it. And so what we might do is, you know, okay, you know, will you let me set that up again where you just lay your tail on my lap and I'm going to rub it with my hand because we always wanted to end it on a positive note, right? So I'm not going to try that again today because that was too much for you. So will you just lay your tail on my lap real easy and we're, we're done and we'll just move on to something else and we'll try again tomorrow. See, right. I, that makes. I sense. love.
0: I love yeah. all of that, and 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 it sits here and it blows my mind that you can take a wild animal that's not been domesticated over thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and say, I need to stick this needle in your in your fin or in your tail, and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna need you just to sit here and do it. And we have five pound dogs that people can't give medicine to, and it just blows my mind that. Right. I mean, it's like, right. come on, people. I mean, just go to YouTube and look up videos of husbandry with like, um, I watched one with this huge elephant who was coming up and they weren't even on the inside of the fencing area. Um, it, there was a barrier, but mm-hmm. he would stick his foot through so that they could clean and do all the things and then stick his yeah. ear through. And, and he could have walked away at any moment. And, and I think if we allow that more with our animals and we give them that agency over that, it just, and I know that's been a big change for me of I've gone from, no, you're Mm going to lay here. I'm going to trim your nails and you're just going to deal with it. Um, Because I did work as a vet um, assistant for a while. And now with Myers, I literally, when I just go to even clean his eyes, I tell him, I'm gonna, all right, I'm gonna clean your eyes. And he just sits real still. I just kind of wipe his little face and then we're done. And then if I have to do something like he has a little hurt mm-hmm. toenail, I pick him up and I tell him, Mama's gonna look at it, not gonna touch it right now. I'm just gonna look at it. Or I'm gonna put a little neosporin on it. And then if he starts to get a little pulling that back, I just stop for a second, tell him I got him, give him a little kiss. And then we do it again. And if at any time he is mm-hmm. really overboard, He's allowed to just, okay, I'll put you down and, and you go. And I think we when you allow that, I hate to use the word escape, um, but let's be real. If if you're scared of needles and you can get out of the chair from getting blood drawn and run down right. the hallway of your doctor's <laughs> office, you're escaping. <laughs> if we allow that, right. I think we're going to build that trust um, of saying, right. And you that's know, what's
1: important and, and I think you know, going back to always, I think it's so important to end on a positive note too. Like you're just saying with Myers, okay. Well, let me let me just try this one more time, and and that's how it's so important to know your particular animal. Like, um, you know, in working like, let's say we were doing a show or something, even like you know what, these animals are pretty social with each other right now, and I know probably one of the funniest stories I I was working with one of the males, and the females were cycling, meaning it was kind of the breeding time. And so we would take that into consideration. We're like, Hastings' eyes are glazed, that was his name, are glazed over. He's looking at me. He's with me. And I'm like, and all I'm asking you to do, we're not going to do any behaviors. Because I didn't want to set him up to succeed. And for him in that moment, sitting there with me and just sitting there, It's okay, bud. I get it. That female's over there. You want to go over there. I get it. And so he's sitting upright. And all of a sudden I look down and I see his tail start veering away. Then his lower body And then he's kind of leaning to where his head is. He's trying so hard to stay with me. I'm giving Nikki. Well, Nikki, I don't know if I'm frozen. If you can see me, I'm trying to give you a visual. But so it's like his his nose finally. And then he was just gone. He was trying so hard. He was. He was was like, hello. I'm just trying so hard. And then he was gone. But, you know, he did come back. And that's okay. It's like, I get it. I'm not going to try. This fish is not going to supersede the um feelings you're having right now. Um and so I think I, I think it is just knowing your animal, knowing what's going on is if you have multiple dogs, just like with us, multiple dolphins, hey guys, as a team, we got to look at this. We, we got to keep this simple because we know they're not going to respond. And so um if you are working on nail trimming with your dog and they're real hyper or there's somebody outside they're more interested. Maybe that's not the best time to work on that behavior because then you're going to get frustrated because they're not doing it. And yeah.
0: Yeah. You're exactly right. It's it's not only looking at, is the dog in a good place to do this? Is the animal in a good place to do this? But are you in a good place to do this? Right? Like I'm not going to go try to trim his nails if I'm feeling impatient, if I'm feeling frustrated. Exactly. Um, you know, but I love that you brought that up that reproduction is a huge thing in the animal world. I mean, that mm-hmm. that is that's huge. And so especially now with the way that we're asking that we keep our animals, our dogs intact longer is going to mean that we are going to run into more problems. You're not going to have that seven, eight month old, fairly decent, well-mannered dog that was neutered at six months because now those testicles are throwing a bunch of other things in. The poor dog can't think because all he's thinking mm-hmm. about is with his reproductive organs. Um, and because that's <laughs> part of it. Yeah. And so we have to make sure that we're aware of that. And, and I think that's why I always want to ensure that our listeners understand the dog. Cause I think if you understand the dog and you understand what's really going on in their brain, physical, all of that, that I think that I would think, and I'm hoping it creates more patience and understanding from the human and 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 we can mm-hmm. have that better relationship
1: you know yeah. so
0: yeah, uh, I, yeah, I just love that so what would you guys do if you had problems with um animals getting along? I mean and, and um, if it was something that was kind of maybe hard to separate or uh, how did all that work? Cause I mean, I deal with a lot of intra-pack aggression issues in the, in the right. homes. So right. what did you guys kind of do with that?
1: Well, we, um, all the animals were trained to shift like to and from different pools. So there were t- times we do, we had to look at the social structure. Um, with dolphins, for example, you know, you try to mimic what they do out in the wild. So moms and daughters always stay together and sisters and, and males tend to, at a certain age, they might go off on their own for breeding purposes. Um, so we try to look at all of that. But, yeah, if they, if they weren't getting along, we might just put them um, as se- separate social groups. Um, if it was happening in a session, um, we would just, you know, we might decide, hey, why don't you work with this dolphin in that back pool right now? And then we'll work with this one in the front pool, even if they had access to each other. Um, and when we might try to, then we would try, okay, go ahead and bring the dolphin back out and we're going to feed them really well for being calm around each other, which is what you do, right? We do a dog speak. So, you know, there was a lot that went into that, but yeah. Um, and again, you'd go to, we're going to keep it simple. Um, I'm not going to ask this animal to do a lot of behaviors, maybe just something, a few simple behaviors, but I just want them here calm with me. And if they break away, they're going to break away. We can't stop that. Um, If one of them, you could tell they might seem or kept choosing to go to a back pool. Okay, you know what? This animal is telling us what we need to do right now. So we're going to go to a back pool and we're going to work with them there. Um, And sometimes if we had them in separate groups where they didn't have access to each other with the gates, they could still see each other. We might literally have them. One trainer with one dolphin, one with the other, so they have the visual of each other and feeding them because you're creating that positive that the what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of that um, reinforcement history, you know, hey, that guy's not so bad because every time I'm around, I'm getting fed. And
0: yep, So yep. That that scary person shows up, the buffet opens, and I get right. my favorite treats, right?
1: Right, um, exactly.
0: It's so similar, and it's it's just so it's so fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. that that we can take something that like did you ever work with like the big because um, obviously I'm dog world, so me and mm-hmm. fish, um, I do good to eat fish, but <laughs> the big um like the, like killer whales. Did you work with no?
1: No, I didn't.
0: Yeah. I mean, because I know that that is, I mean, just, I think it's so fascinating that we can take something that's like this massive animal and have them be able to communicate and work with us. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, obviously you, you can't use punishment in a, in an aversive way because they could just swim, you know, away from you. They can just knock you with their tail. They can just, you know, poke you and throw you up out of the water. You know, if they wanted to, did you guys ever, did you ever run into any um, of the animals that were having a little bit of aggressive behavior towards humans?
1: Um, Not really, not in my experience. Um, You know, I think a couple, times. no, and honestly, not really. Like one time, and this was my fault. The only time I had an animal swipe wait me is I was going to feed the animal. And I was the primary for that session. Um, it was one of the dolphins. And I put the fish in front of her head, my, my fault, because then I turned away to communicate something. And she just took, decided to take the fish away from me. And it took me a minute to realize what just happened. And I'm like, well, she was just taking the fish out of my hand because normally, if they see the fish, we toss it, right? So, no, and and we we really tried to read them. Okay, so for example, um, during the the presentations we did with the dolphins, um, we would try to do a water work segment. We get in, swim with them, just do different behaviors. Well, if there was a lot of social things going on, again, breeding season, we just chose not to get in because that would be setting them. It's just not a a safe environment, you know, because they're more paying attention to each other than us. And so we just would opt to stay out of the water. Um, and then when that was done, we'd, we'd get right back in. So,
0: yeah, again, it's like, we have to make the humans have to be the other smart part of the process. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I, That's why I think people have, they need to learn. They don't have to become a dog trainer. They don't have to, but they need to, to educate themselves to a certain level. If they're going to live harmoniously with this creature that we have, we have brought into captivity and, and we want this all to work out. And I think Mm -hmm. that we need to stop with the dog is man's best friend comments because I think that it's going to depend a lot on the human and and any relationship is two way. Um, and if we can make those relationships and be smart with these wild creatures, cause I would see them as wild creatures, then we mm-hmm. surely to God, we can do it with our domesticated ones, um, right yeah I mean right. we've got to take more responsibility as humans and and just being smart like that being smart of going i you know what no they're wanting to reproduce I'm now is not a good time to get in the water and you know right, uh, right. And get involved in in that mess that I have nothing to contribute there <laughs> so so yeah it's a it's really just amazing um, yeah
1: exactly
0: Thing, um
1: it, and you know it's just so much. Yeah,
0: go ahead. I think we have a little bit of a delay going on, but
1: well, and it's really important. I think we might. Can you hear me now? (laughs) (laughs) Can you hear me now? I know because I thought I think we're delayed. Well, I and I think the big thing is um, the relationship building and kind of going back to that. You know, we want to enrich the lives of these animals in the zoos as much as we can and make their their lives as interesting as we possibly can. And so um, I know with everybody I worked with, that was so important to all of us, you know, is the well-being of the animals and making it as positive as possible. And so, again, you just try to take every opportunity to set whatever you are doing and set that animal up to succeed. If anything, it's like, okay, this animal, they don't seem to be getting this. We always looked at ourselves. What am I not communicating right we never blame the animals. It was what's, what am I not communicating right? Or what's going on socially between these two animals, right? That I'm going to respect that and maybe figure out a different way to go about doing this.
0: Yeah. And I think that's huge. I so, mean, we have to, yeah. we have to do that ourselves and and step back and go, okay, if the dog's not getting this, then, then is our timing off? Are we not communicating clearly? Are we teaching something that we're not thinking we're teaching and and a lot of times mm-hmm. what we you know what we're teaching dogs is not really what they're learning um what we think they're learning and and right so it's it's really it's it's all just really so fascinating to me. Um now mm-hmm. one big thing that you did a lot of and one thing that you're gonna specialize with dog speak mm-hmm. is cooperative care, husbandry. And yes mm-hmm. we will probably do an entire episode on <laughs> yeah.
1: that. Right. Right.
0: Tell, so, cause we talked about the blood draw from, mm-hmm. um, from the dolphin. What are some of the other husbandry skills, uh, did you work with and the animals?
1: Well, we would do things like, um, eye drops, which is something by the way, that I think is important to teach dogs. Um, we would, good gosh, eye drops. Uh, we brush their teeth, which a lot of people are like, you did what? You did what? We would, just for gum care, <laughs> stimulate the gums, yeah. Um, we would just body tactile, being able to look your your animal over. We would teach them to roll over, lay on their back, so we could see every part of their body. Um, just an open mouth, which goes with brushing their teeth, but then you could look at their tongue, Um with dolphins, for example, dolphins don't have a gag reflex, and so you could actually insert a tube down into their throat and they they can tolerate it. And the reason we would do that is if for some reason a dolphin maybe wasn't eating and not they get a lot of their hydration from their fish, um you could actually give them some water that way. Um, oh gosh, wow. Uh, Um, One, we would get a saliva sample, this is, um, there's uh, somebody named Randy Wells down in Florida, and he has the longest running uh, research going on with a pod of dolphins. And we work cooperatively cooperatively with him, or I say we, I'm not there anymore. But um, one thing he asked us to do is he was trying to compare a blood sample and a saliva sample taken on the same day to see what kind of contaminants were out in the ocean that these dolphins were living in. So he asked us if we would do the same thing with our dolphins because we knew that they wouldn't have any contaminants. And so he could compare what we were seeing there, which that was such, um, to me, that meant a lot to us that we were allowed to do that because I felt like it was our way of contributing to the dolphin population out in the ocean. Um, So we would get a little syringe and we, we would just draw out a little saliva that was sitting in their mouth. So um, we could get a blowhole sample. Um, We teach them to blow air out of their blowhole with a cup. We'd hold the cup above it. Um,
0: Y'all, I'm 47 years old. I know, but I'm a 12-year-old boy sometimes. And when you mention a blowhole, I mean, (laughs) I just, I'm just going to go with somewhere else with this one. Yeah, please do. (laughs) I mean,
1: (laughs) you know, give
0: them a Blow a hole. Blow a hole. I, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. and, and here again, we, we're we doing all these amazing things with these creatures. And and my God, people can't even trim their dog's nails. Um, mm-hmm. it, and it was all
1: voluntary. It's yeah. all voluntary. Uh, that, so you, know. you
0: mentioned like eye drops. This right. is the thing that, that you and I have talked about a few times of it's important to get these dogs used to having things like ears cleaned, eye drops, mouth open, looked at, teeth brushed. Right for in case they do ever have to, at some point exactly. your dog's probably going to maybe have eye drops going to have to maybe have some medication. You, you don't want to wait until you need it. Right.
1: And that's why, you know, for like the seals and sea lions, especially, you know, okay, if we need this down the road. So it was, it was a schedule, you know, three times a week. And we had this just like a sailing solution um, that was, you know, safe to put in their eyes. And so it was just maintaining that behavior. So if we did need it, we have it. Yeah. Nobody
0: wants to teach a dog to get eye drops when they're hurting with their eyes and their eyes are hurting. That's not the time to start teaching that you need to be able to do this. So I know that's going to be a big thing that you're going to bring to dog speak is, is the husbandry and the cooperative care and helping owners to learn how to uh, make their dogs comfortable. And Mm -hmm. because we don't want them to be stressed when they're already not feeling good and, and they're you know having to be taken to the vet and having these strangers are holding them and and poking and prodding and they don't understand and and I think if we really get to the owners and help them understand the importance of teaching from puppyhood on up then we can we can decrease that stress at the vet we can just decrease the stress of giving medication and we can start being a better um supportive member when our dog goes to the vet, instead of just saying, here, let me, you can just take them to the back and you can deal with them. No, I want to be there. I'm going to talk to my dog and let him know this is what we're doing. This is what's going to happen. Mama's here. And I think we, we need to do a better job at making that an important part of dog ownership and not just dogs and cats and, and you know, what other animals you have, but, but I think that's right. going to be such a huge thing you're going to bring to the table. And, and I'm really grateful for that because uh, I know the problems that come oh, yeah, up with I'm, that.
1: I'm excited. Yeah. So you, yeah, you're yeah. going so one... to start with this.
0: Yeah, I know. We definitely have that delay. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I know. What is this going to sound like when we go back and listen to it? <laughs>
0: I may have to actually do a little editing on this one. Okay. But I'm not taking the blowhole out. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm never going to unhear that, Nikki. Thank you. I know. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's
0: just, it's it's just such a good word.
1: (laughs) It's it's an actual word. It's an adult dolphin body part. (laughs) Come on. But I think you could use it for
0: so many things. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know so many people that talk out of their blowhole.
1: (laughs) Yes. Okay, and we guess, digress.
0: I, 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 we usually do in, in our podcast. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I so I'm we are really excited. We're going to be bringing a lot in 2023. Uh, you're going to mm-hmm. be taking over some of our group classes and um and some of our membership training and our uh, husbandry and cooperative care and we have a lot of wonderful things. Um, and I'm I'm super excited to have you on the team. Um, it, because Thank you. I just. I'm excited to learn more about the husbandry and cooperative care because that is not something I have really focused on in my 26 years. It's just, uh, you
1: yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm ex- it- excited to be here and I'm, I'm, you know, taking an online webinar right now about husbandry. So I'm trying to dive into it on the, the dog end because I can respect the fact that I've got that experience, but. I'm working with dogs now, and and so I want to make sure, you know. But I'm excited. I'm excited. I think it's going to be really good and excited to teach some dogs and and lessen their stress level when it comes to cooperative care.
0: Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today, and and you had a – Rare day off from your real job is what I like to say. (laughs) I Um,
1: did, yes,
0: (laughs) a rare day off. But we're again just sort of have you and guys if. If you want to reach out to Alicia, she has her email address is Alicia at dogspeak101.com. If you have questions for Alicia, if you have questions that you want her to answer um, in a husbandry episode, I think that we'll probably put something together. Not we, I'm not doing anything except leading the conversation. Uh, She's going to put together a husbandry (laughs) episode. And if you have questions for that, make sure you send it to us. And uh, uh, we're just really excited to, um, to have her joining us and having you guys getting, getting to know her. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, Alicia. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Nikki. This has been fun. (laughs) Yay. Well, you'll be back. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Yes, definitely. You, all right. You guys have a great rest of your week.